0: Welcome to the Kara's Cure Show, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness for our mind, body, and spirit. Well, today we are addressing how the mental health of our kids could be contributing to a nationwide surge in absenteeism. I'm joined by Dr. Laura Saunders from the Institute of Living in Hartford. She is a child psychologist there. Welcome, Dr. Laura. Hey, Cara. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, so as a mom, I think we all know the struggle bus in the morning. Lots of kids saying they don't wanna to go to school, they're not gonna to go to school, but what we're seeing now is different where kids really aren't going or showing up.
1: For as long as school has existed, there have been struggles in the morning to get children to school. This is not a new issue, right? And and parents play usually a moderate to major role in making sure that their kids are up and dressed and have eaten something and and head off to school, whether that's being driven or walk or take a bus. Um, None of that is new. Um, The the fact that you had to get up and go to school every day was the norm, it was typical until it wasn't. And this is one of those things where, where COVID, I think, is still having a lasting impact. There was a great article in the New York Times that talked about this um, how there is a surge in absenteeism across the nation. Because we experienced a period of 18 months, two years, you know, going on, you know, we're, we're sort of coming out of it, but there's talk about, you know, what are we going to do if there's another COVID surge in the winter? But what what it came to is. OK, we'll just go remote or, you know, we'll skip school today because because, you know, I don't know if school's a safe place. And so it started to change the association with school as not necessarily being a safe place mm. when previously it actually been considered a very safe and structured place.
0: Right. So what do we do if our kids just
1: don't want to go? I think it starts with assessing what the issue is right because honestly we're all tired. So if it's tiredness there's adjustments that you can make to do that. If there's you know ways to sort of engage their motivation around you know picking out your clothes the night before or knowing the night before what you're going to have for breakfast um you know and again I'm not talking about a you know a hot meal where parents are making pancakes i mean we never did that in my house not growing up and not with my own kids we had a bare amount of time and we had to get things done in that in that minimum amount of time but um what we're talking about is where is the resistance coming from so if it's tiredness that's something that needs to be addressed if there's if it's just they have lost their motivation for school or they don't believe school's important, that's actually a bigger issue. And then there's also the anxiety piece. Those people that have anxiety associated with school, they have stomach aches, they have headaches, they have body aches. Um, and that those body aches are not necessarily a sign of a bigger medical problem. Mm. They're actually the somatic symptoms of anxiety.
0: So let's start there. Anxiety is through the roof. We know that with our kids. So if it is anxiety, anxiety,
1: and you still want your kids to go to school, what, what do you do with that? I like to break it down into pieces and I like to label it. So you can say, remember you were fine last night, you ate a good dinner, you had a little treat after dinner, you were okay, you're You're up this morning and label it as you feel anxious about school today. It What in particular do you feel anxious about? I don't know, is often the response that you mm. get. Okay. I hear that you have a stomach ache and and I do want to validate the, what we call somatic symptom. I don't Mm. want to say, no, you don't have a stomach ache or no, you don't have a headache. They might really have a stomach ache. There's a huge connection between the brain and the gut Mm. along anxiety pathways. They might in fact have a stomach ache. However, that stomach ache or headache or body ache or arm ache or whatever it is, is not necessarily connected to a more serious medical issue like the flu or a virus or COVID or other things. It is anxiety. So when you label it as anxiety, the the intervention is not to avoid what makes you anxious. In fact, the intervention is to, in some ways, step into what makes you anxious. So it's not staying home and avoiding all stimulation or anything that makes you anxious, it's finding ways to step into it. And if it's a real chronic problem, you're going to need to engage school support personnel. But I would start with just sort of saying, okay, the goal is to get into school and make it to 11 o'clock or pick, you know, you pick a time and if you're still feeling sick, go and talk to the nurse. I mean, you might need to have a conversation with the nurse at that point if this is going on repeatedly. Um, Many school nurses, especially in elementary school, are well-versed in those kids that need to take a break. I know when I sent my kids to uh, actually University of Hartford Magnet School, their school nurse there was famous for a cup of water, saltines, and a small puzzle. She knew that kids coming down, especially if they were frequent flyers, just needed a little break. They had a stomach ache, they had a headache, their body ache, their arm ache, their leg ached, a couple saltines, a little bit of water. You do a puzzle, then you return to class. And so that's managing the anxiety as opposed to just avoiding it and making it worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. And some of the other reasons might be, if it's it's not just anxiety, um, it could be that they are, well, maybe it's still anxiety, but it could be also related to these learning gaps that kids are having. So do you think something needs to change even within the schools that kids are just going and they're so overwhelmed because there's learning
1: gaps? Well, that is a great question. And that is where it becomes uh, the responsibility of the parents to advocate, to help, and to partner with school personnel, teachers, school support staff, administration, whoever it is, To partner and say, can we can we look at if there's a bigger, deeper issue here? It is, in fact, true that there have been significant learning gaps, um, and that you know the learning gaps are different at the elementary level versus the middle school versus the high school level. But really, looking at those learning gaps are learning problems. Often, I put you know while anxiety might be here, um, what you're referring to is what I call inadequacy. Right, Mm. I don't feel good enough to do math because I missed chunks of math in the last two or three years. So I don't feel good enough. I'm I feel inadequate in some way. I mean they're not going to say that directly, but mm. it's the inadequacy that that leads to a deficit in skills and so therefore the skill deficit needs to be addressed in order for the inadequacy which looks a lot like anxiety in that situation in order for that to be to be addressed.
0: So I'm going to drill down for parents like that if it's just you know the, the grades are somewhat okay but they just don't want to go and they want to be home that might be different than if you can drill down and realize uh they just feel like they're overwhelmed and they're failing everything or they they feel incompetent then what do you do what resources do you have with the school to say my kid needs help what if you know you might not be able to afford private
1: tutoring and and all the things that you need to do to get your kid caught up I always like to have um corroborated information so your child can say in some of those examples you gave is what we call catastrophic thinking i'm failing i can't do anything nothing works for me or it's you know it's it's i'm the worst kid in the class um everybody knows it and i don't Right? catastrophic thinker or sometimes what we call black and white thinking it's it's all or nothing it's all good or all bad in these situations it's all bad i like to get corroborating information now I, I can certainly validate what my child's saying. I understand it feels difficult. I understand this subject's hard for you. Have you asked the teacher for help? The teacher doesn't help me. Okay, so then you, again, have to be the advocate and you have to reach out to the teacher and say, my child is, is really struggling with getting to school, really feeling you know, like they're struggling with A and B subject. Can you give me some feedback on how you see them doing? And I say this all the time. Teachers have an amazing ability to have a developmental perspective. They've done, you know, class, you know, grade, if whatever grade they're teaching, if we're talking elementary school, or even in middle school and high school, they've been teaching, you know, middle school social studies or high school history for years and years. And they can tell you, you know, your child is actually pretty typical, or your child actually, in fact, is struggling, and we might need to do something different. So teachers really have an amazing developmental perspective.
0: I think where parents struggle is they'll say, well, OK, I want my kid to go to school, but they're breaking down. They're crying. They claim that they just can't go. Anxiety. One of your solutions you say, is we actually need to go. We're not. Anxiety is not going away. We need to learn how to deal with it. But what do you do? I mean, you can't like drag your kid there. So how do you um, should we know, Is it ever OK to just say, all right, that's it. They're staying home. Or how do we limit
1: that? Well, I, I do like to limit it because, it, again, if you in, allow them to engage in the avoidance, it will make it worse. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if this is like, if, if if your child has done this one time and, you know, really very rarely happens, I'm not as worried about it. I'm more concerned when it's a chronic pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Every single morning they have a stomachache or they have a headache. They don't want to go to school. They feel like they're going to throw up. They don't want to eat anything for breakfast. And, and that's where, you know, you might need to come up with some strategies. I like to break things down into small parts. So you don't say, okay, you've got to last the entire day, you know, from 8.30 to to three o'clock. You have to last the entire day. It's all right. When you get to school, I just need you to get through the first couple of hours. Then you can go and check in with the nurse. And then you call the nurse to get, you know, give her a heads up. So you break things down into smaller pieces. Let's see how you feel at 11.30 Um, and, And by breaking things down, you come up with a more manageable strategy as opposed to just like saying, suck it up and just go to school. I mean, it's a little bit of, we need you to step into this because the avoidance will make the anxiety worse, but breaking it down into smaller pieces can sometimes feel more manageable.
0: So you can tell the school nurse this is going on. You can tell the school counselor it's going on, I guess the pediatrician, but then when they call at 1130... And say I did it. I went to 11:30, and I still have a stomachache. And I'm still really not well. And I really am just going to pace the hallways if you don't come pick me up. Do you
1: get them because they made it through? Um, well, again, if it's a if it's a infrequent, then then maybe they really do have a stomach ache That's a part of a larger virus. But yeah. it, when you see it as a pattern, that's when you have to engage in other strategies. So you need to talk to the school nurse and say, you know, we need to assess someone honestly you know the if if you're not vomiting or have a fever you're probably okay enough to be in school yeah right that's the that's the criteria i mean that you're showing more extreme signs so without vomiting without a fever um you know you might need to take a break so the plan is you stay at the nurse's office or the guidance office or whatever whatever the plan becomes you know if you stay in there for 15 or 20 minutes you kind of take a break um, you know, in those situations, sometimes you need a plan of accommodations. If this is happening on a more regular basis, right? We call them the 504 plan, but with the 504 plan, you have to have, you know, you have to have some testing, you have to have some, you know, some documentation that there's a larger issue if, if it's anxiety or depression or mood issues. Um, my concern is, is because school districts are having such a higher rates of absenteeism, meaning the kids are not going to school, not that they're leaving early because they had a stomachache, but they're not going to school because we, you know, there's a generation of parents here that started to associate school as not necessarily being a safe place or maybe a place that's full of germs or viruses or whatever. And that's always been the case, right? However, without being in school, you're not getting adequate learning. Without adequate learning, you are in fact falling behind, and that will create more anxiety.
0: So, you, I just want to clarify what you said. You actually think part of this phenomenon that we're seeing being reported on nationwide, a surge in absenteeism, is in part that the parents are also buying into this. Like, oh, I don't think school's a great place for you right now.
1: Yeah, I think it became an association. Never before in in the history of time did we ever associate school as being an unsafe place, right? Mm -hmm. Kids, if you think about the beginning of that COVID pandemic, well, I don't necessarily want to go back there physically or emotionally. It became associated that school is not a safe place in that that the fall of 2020 when you know a lot of districts were remote or half and half half the kids were in half the kids were out people were wearing masks you know it became associated that school could be an unsafe place and so that created anxiety in parents it created anxiety in in children and it created the feeling that being at school is not that important and that is a really false assumption because what what the data shows is that when you're not in school you just don't learn and it affects you as each stage goes on because learning is cumulative cumulative right what you learn this week you know it is is the foundation for what you're going to learn next week so if you miss this week what you're learning next week is going to feel confusing and and difficult to manage
0: right right and it's so tough for kids uh, and parents really but um I had an instance where a friend of mine who actually is in the medical profession talked about, she couldn't believe it, but her son really couldn't go to school. He had to, he had, was really struggling with OCD and ended up, just staying at home, I I think homeschooling for a couple of months. And I know that's an extreme case, but I'm just trying to help parents here. Is there ever, uh, I know you work at the Institute of Living and there are programs, I mean, are there certain times where with what you're dealing with, whether it be a medical leave for OCD, extreme anxiety, an eating disorder, are there times where we really need to not be that parent who says,
1: no, you gotta go? So in that, in those circumstances, where there might need to be a break because there is a diagnosable condition. And I know anxiety is diagnosable. However, if there's a, you know, the the severity of the obsessive compulsive disorder is so great that they need to be in a specialized program in order to address the OCD, then, then there's intervention, right? So it's not just your child staying home and getting work sent home to them and then maybe, maybe, maybe not doing that work at home, mm-hmm. there is intervention happening. So when there's intervention happening, because the severity of the problem is really hindering their functioning, then that's a plan. So I'm okay if there's a plan in place um, and the intervention is is aimed at getting the child back to school. I say this all the time, Carrie, you know this. While I really feel like school builds a foundation of academics, I feel that school is equally as valuable to teach you social skills and life lessons. Mm -hmm. The way you learn to manage conflict and problem solve and and deal with failure experiences is in school. I mean, it could be in sports. It could be in other things as well. But we really need to be in school for a lot of that ancillary learning to take place as well, because social skills are life skills. We all need to work in settings where we have to manage people and deal with conflict and solve problems um, and 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 accept, you know, when you do something wrong or when you fail at something. Um, so s- school is is about learning, but I think it's the other ancillary skills that are equally as valuable.
0: So from the psychologist's point of view, I know we talk about rewards and all that. Do we, we have a kid who's reluctant to go to school Do we get into that of, listen, if you go to school, then this X reward can happen? Or do we even, you know, when we got someone really reluctant, or do we just say, I'm not
1: giving rewards for things they have to do? So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with providing reinforcement because reinforcement is an external way to create motivation. If someone's not internally motivated, Mm -hmm. then we try to create external motivation motivators this is true in everything i don't work without getting paid every two weeks i'm guessing you don't work without getting paid i love what i do but i work because i get also get paid for what i do right we all have external motivators in our life so i don't want to pretend that everything has to be internally driven because that's just not the case in real life i'm okay with okay listen you know your child's struggling If you get to school and you make it all day today, you get an extra 30 minutes of, you know, playing with your Nintendo Switch or you get, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I'd love to, uh, you know, in in my day, it was you get to have an extra half hour playing outside. But in any case, uh, a reinforcer is a reinforcer. So I'm okay with using reinforcers for those individuals that are not internally motivated to try to push them through some of those struggles and and. And that's okay, because then once they get through, it creates that mindset of, okay, if I make it through the school day, I get X. That's okay, because you're still there, and you're present, and you're learning.
0: And even more importantly, they learned how to make it through, right? Because they had a carrot at the end of the stick, but over time, maybe the carrot's going to become something else, but they're learning, they're getting practice about going to school every day.
1: They're building a little bit of grit and stamina. Yep. So...
0: At the same time, on the other side of the spectrum, there's so much talk in the real world about mental health days. Just taking a day because you need it. So what's your thought on that with kids and how we might manage that? I've heard my kids say, can I have a mental health day?
1: You know what? I'm actually okay with that. Mm -hmm. But this is, you know, this right now we're in the second week of September. So I don't know that anyone really needs a mental health day just yet. We just (laughs) had the summer off. But it's, you know, it's the end of October. And it, you know, there's been a grind. I mean, so many of our high school kids now have so much pressure yes. on themselves to do AP classes and, and extra honors classes and and all this, all this, this pressure. I really worry about them. And yes. so if they can, you know, build in ways to take physical and emotional and mental breaks, that's okay. But it has to be infrequent and it has to be. You know, the conversation has to be, what you, you know, are you avoiding something today? Because if you're avoiding something, it's only going to make it worse. But you know what? If if you you've been grinding away for a period of time and you need to get, you know, leave early on a Friday, or if you need to take a break, I'm okay with that because it's it feels more planful and it's not so much of avoidance.
0: Yeah, so basically right now, um, we're talking about seven point eight percent of students are missing school on an average day Uh, two years ago. It was far higher than before the pandemic. So uh, basically the New York Times article is showing that there's also a problem because sometimes the kids who are missing the most are the disadvantaged kids or kids with disabilities or kids with lower income households. So we're we're missing a lot more school now and that's the troubling trend.
1: Exactly and you know, it, if you have a learning disability, if you have social-emotional issues and you are missing more school, the, the anxiety and the feelings of inadequacy, I'm not good enough, I can't do this subject, I can't do that subject, I can't relate to my peers, I, I can't manage social situations, those situations will only get worse by not going to school.
0: The article also talked about that parent involvement in school is the key to successful school climate. So what can this we is, as parents do?
1: So this has been known for a long time. The more parents can be involved, and it might be as simple as having regular communication with a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. an email after the first week saying, How's my how's my child doing? In um, you know, being involved in any school activities, being involved in any kind of parent-teacher organizations. The more parents are involved, the more teachers feel supported, the more children get the message, either directly or indirectly, that school is important, and it creates this level of investment and involvement that improves success for everyone.
0: Yeah, so if if you are someone where you're, like, thinking... my kid just needs to go, and I don't really. And, and we listen, and we really realize that there might be something going on, like anxiety, or maybe ADHD, or maybe something. Then there is a resource, and I just want to drive that point home. You would say start with the school psychologist. There's testing that they can do for free, and and, and you might actually get a diagnosis. It t- can lead to some of these accommodations.
1: Yes, I mean if your child is like, and I don't want to invalidate struggles. I believe that there is a good percentage of kids that truly struggle with a particular issue again it could be it could be anxiety or a mood issue it could be a learning issue it could be an attentional issue there are kids that actually struggle with issues so i'm not i don't want to negate that at all i certainly want to validate that but i want to develop strategies to manage it not just avoid yeah. and so that's where your school support personnel your school social worker your school psychologist um, you know, there's speech and language pathologists in school. There's all, all sorts of intervention. And if you know, if the teacher says, "Yes, I see your child really struggling to keep up in math. It's just like they can't seem to keep the numbers in their head," then okay, now you have that that secondary corroboration. Now, I can we get some testing? Can we take this a step further? Because that's how you get accommodations um, that are documented, and then therefore the whole school team follows that plan. Yeah.
0: And it could be that you know the teacher comes and says, okay, well they're 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 never remember to bring their homework in or they don't complete it, and that also could be a sign of instead of just saying you're lazy, that might also be a sign of a learning difference or a learning profile like ADHD. So there's these yeah. are questions we need to ask. That I, I guess my experience is some teachers have really understood that there's something going on, and some teachers are like, well, Johnny's just being lazy, and so you might need to ask a few teachers, I guess, and and get that perspective.
1: Yes, and, and and again, I do like parents to sort of follow their their intuition on this. Yep. I mean, you know, that situation that you described, that's such classic disorganization. Now, a lot of kids have some measure of disorganization, but when the disorganization is so chronic that it's really impeding their ability to engage in, you know, as, as you go up in grade, you engage in, in the grade, you engage in more kind of multi-stage projects and tasks. Yep. And that's where it really hits organizational skills. Um, so those individuals and, you know, deficits in organizational skills can be a sign of and it's, uh, an attentional disorder. Um, but again, you don't have as much need for organizational skills in first, second and third grade. It's usually kind of fourth grade, fifth grade in, in the middle school and high school where organizational skills become more critical. And that's where you can start to see the kids that don't have a primary Um, like hyperactivity issue, right? They're not the kids that are bouncing up and down their chairs and talking to their neighbor and doing that stuff, but they have some of the brain issues, you know, the neurological issues that are core to, to ADHD. You see that as they get older. So, yeah. And so that's to go important. with your instinct on that.
0: Important for, thank you for saying go with your instinct. And just important for anyone who's listening that often um, in, in girls, it does seem to show up later. And uh, maybe because they didn't display the hyperactivity or they're just socialized to be more behaved. But if you're like, well, they were always fine. And now it's eighth, ninth, and 10th grade that I'm seeing all these meltdowns, you might want to drill down a little bit that it could be um, something going on because the demands are so much greater.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is greater. and And again, if you just think about, you just think about like middle school where you're going from this class to this class to this class to this class and you have to you know you don't want to carry all I guess they still carry all their books but you know then you have to stop at your locker because then you have to get the books for this class I mean I guess there's laptops I think of it back in the old days but in any case I can't get my brain out of that but in any case it still I mean that's physical organization never mind wait, this class assigned this assignment, but this is, I'm on a block schedule, so I only have this class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I don't need to do it, and now it's Thursday, and I forgot because I didn't do it on Wednesday, and it was assigned on Tuesday, so you can see how organizational skills, as you get a little older, for those individuals that have core deficits, it really does have a negative impact, and now you're You're freaking out because you. this is like the third week in a row. You forgot your Thursday assignment because it was assigned on Tuesday and you didn't remember on Wednesday. And But that's where you do need to develop some strategies to help manage those organizational deficits.
0: And sometimes as part of the plans might be the teacher is going to prompt them and say, please turn in your homework because they might have brought it, but they forgot to turn it in. But we're out of time, but I want to let people know that, you know, obviously we can listen to this. um, Go with your gut. And bottom line is... (laughs) We need to get kids back in school. So uh, interesting phenomenon that we're having right now. um, But hopefully we can address it and and kind of turn it around. But I know parents need that help.
1: Yep, Parents need to be involved. And really all the research shows that the more they're involved, the greater the success of their child and really the greater success of the school system.
0: Dr. Laura Saunders, thank you, as always. Great to have uh, our mental health right on the armchair here. We can always ask the psychologist, so thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you, Kara. Please take care.
0: You too. And you can find more information on the Cutting Edge of Wellness by joining the Kara's Cures Facebook group or follow me on social media at Kara Sunderland. I do like to share this content there. Have a great day and be well.